one of the largest cyber scams in Canadian history. There will be legal consequences and you will be arrested to defraud the government. Many of us just hang up here. Others will call back to confront the scammers. A caller claims to be with the Internal Revenue Service and threatens you if you don't pay up. Tonight, two suspects are accused of bilking at least 70 people in 32 states out of their hard-earned cash. This is C-Suite, the podcast where you'll hear stories from real people, leaders, and cybersecurity experts about how to stay connected and protected. Every episode, we'll explore different cyber challenges and highlight the many ways we can enhance our online security reduce the likelihood of attacks, and improve our digital confidence. I'm your host, Claudette McGowan. Phishing is one of the most comprehensive cyber attacks out there. At its core, a phishing attack is any attempt to get access to sensitive information by impersonating a trustworthy source online. Think of it like phishing with an F, where you use a piece of bait to attract the fish and convince them to bite. Phishing scams come in many forms, from emails to text messages and phone calls. To encompass it all, we'll refer to it today as ishing. Regardless of where they take place, ishing attacks are a major threat to individuals and companies. In a recent global security survey, 22% of organizations saw phishing as their greatest security threat. Another report found that 59% of all phishing attacks in the Americas were related to finances. On today's episode, we meet Recaft, a Canadian man who lost thousands of dollars to a phishing attack. My name is Recaft. And I'm 50 years old. I live in Kitchener, Ontario. I was scammed in 2017. After filing his income tax with an accountant, Rakeft was expecting a sizable tax refund. But when the return wasn't deposited, he called the CRA directly to find out why. I filed my income tax. My accountant she told me that I was supposed to get some refund, about five, six thousand dollars. It was like almost four, three months go by and nothing happened. So I pick up the phone and I call Revenue Canada, landline, and then somebody pick up the phone and says, okay, your name. And then she goes, uh, okay, we've been holding your refund. I said, why you've been holding my refund? She goes, you haven't filed your income tax since 2010. I said that something is wrong. There's no way uh, I have. I got the refund before since 2010, and I filed my income tax every year. One year I was behind. The CRA agent told Rakeft that his income tax refund was being held because he still owed money to the government. A month later, he received a call. The agent on the other end had all the same information Rakef discussed on his first call. Only this time, the voice on the other end of the line, it was a criminal impersonating the tax agency. One month go by and then I got the phone call 
and all the information that I had and Revenue Canada was asking me and the amount they told me that I owed them, exactly the hacker told me. And he had all the, all the information and he told me, yes, yeah, you have been spoken to, to us and then yes, we've been holding and you have to pay. But now because of there's so many charges on you, you have to come up and pay that money right away. Otherwise, we will contact the authority and we'll pick you up wherever you are. This guy who was talking to me is not from the other side of the world. He knew our society, our system. And then when he was threatening me legally that how he's going to use the law against me and lock me down, which was I should have told him, but I said, my fear was that how come these guys know everything I told Revenue Canada? The guy told me, okay, we will take the money, you have to go pay the money, and then we will refund if you, you got to pay this extra money, and then we will refund The fake tax agent told Rakef exactly what the real agent had told him, that his refund was being held and that he still owed money. The impersonator calmly instructed Rakef to not hang up on the phone and that he would get his refund as soon as he paid back what he owed. If he didn't, he would be arrested. Rakef was scared. He wanted to do what the tax agent said and avoid all legal trouble. They said, please do not interrupt this phone. Don't say this phone. I had like a low battery or anything. Just tell us where you are. This is a situation. So I had the money, the cash I had in my hand. I said, where you want me to put the money? He goes, go, you go, go to, there's a store in here. We have a machine there and there's a machine there. And he goes, don't put the machine in until I send you a code and you scan your, your phone into the, this Bitcoin machine. Okay. And then he said, when the machine is reading the code and the machine will open and then you deposit the money, $10,000 there. And that's what I did. This impersonator was convincing. Not only did he know Rakef's current tax situation, but he also sounded authoritative and legitimate. That's why when he told Rakef to deposit $10,000 into a Bitcoin machine to avoid being arrested, Rakef reluctantly agreed. So how does this happen? How can issuing a tax like this one be so persuasive? I asked my colleague Stephen to tell us more about how issuing scams work. Issuing attacks, they tend to use fear as the way to get victims to to fall prey. So um, in addition to what is timely at that point, they will also use tactics of threats, whether it be that they're going to receive fines, monetary fines, or possible jail time. So they do use human emotions in order to deceive the victim. Right now, threat actors, they tend to use what's timely at that time of the year. Right now with tax season, people are getting ready to file their taxes. So the threat actors are using that as the vector to target. The smishing and phishing, right now we currently 
have no way to proactively detect that, whereas traditional fish, we can proactively detect the websites and we can take them down um, in in near real time, often even before clients would fall victim, whereas vishing and smishing, they do something called spoofing, where they are impersonating a phone number. So your phone number for your mobile could be impersonated. So it, it could come up showing your phone number, when in, in reality, it's not truly you. Unfortunately, we won't be able to know about that until somebody that had fallen victim were to notify us about it. It can be an individual that is speaking or it can be robotic where it's it's very easy to tell that you're not speaking to an actual person, um, but rather like a pre-recorded robot. According to Stephen, cybercriminals will design their attacks to be timely. In Rakef's case, the threat actor contacted him during tax season and correctly guessed that he had a refund owing. Threat actors can also use spoofing to impersonate phone numbers. These attacks are harder to detect unless reported, which means they don't typically get caught. That's exactly what happened to Rakeft. When he contacted the tax agency to confirm they had received his payment, they informed him that he had been involved in an ishing scam. He lost $10,000 and his trust in the system. One thing in my life I didn't know, the Bitcoin machine is private. That was a lack of information for me. I thought this machine with this big monitor, it is a part of the government. That's how maybe another way to deposit the money in the CRA account. That's what was going on in my head. And I had to go to the CRA building before. I made that deposit there over there. This time they said, yes, we know, but this is too late for that. I was saving for my renovation. I was saving for a lot of things. I was saving for trucks, for my business. I was buying equipment. It did push me back when that happened. And uh, I couldn't explain myself because I couldn't believe it. People can do that. And then when you go to the system and system cannot do anything for you, mm-hmm. somebody call me, ask me any question. And I just go to the bank every time wait on the line, whatever it takes. And I try to not leave any money in there. And a lot of time, my insurance, it was like when they tried to draw the money, it was it was bounced and I got charged and just because of those things, because I don't want to leave any money. After this recording, Rakeft informed us that he went to the authorities and they were unable to recover his funds. His case was later forwarded to the FBI. Rakef's story is frightening, but unfortunately, it's not uncommon. According to the FBI, phishing attacks were the most common form of cyber attack in 2020, almost doubling in frequency from 2019 numbers. We asked Stephen what someone in Rakef's situation can do to avoid an ishing scam. So there is nothing that anyone can do to prevent receiving an attempt of being fished. What you can do is always try to be as vigilant as possible. Again, question the person on the other end of the phone. Are they acting in a professional manner? Were you expecting that phone call? If it doesn't seem right, it's better to be safe than sorry. Hang up, call 
an actual number, call an official number to, to validate, did somebody try to reach out to you as opposed to providing your personal identifiable information over the phone. Do not be afraid to report suspicious information or whether it be emails, vish or, or smish to whether it be the agency or to your, your bank or any company that could be reaching out to you. PayPal is a very common one. Interact in Canada is a very common one that tends to be impersonated. It's always better to be safe than sorry. So hang up, be cautious, do your due diligence, and then go from there. Why would the CRA be asking for me to pay them in Bitcoin? Bitcoin is not a way that any federal agency or in just about any case that payment would be requested. Again, use common sense. Do not be afraid to ask questions. Question the legitimacy of the phone call when it comes to vishing. Threat actors will often become irate very quickly and they will start to make threats to scare you into going along and making the payment. And at that point, you will, you will realize that they're acting unprofessional and that is not a manner in which an actual CRA agent would treat you and speak to you. Another thing is, do you hear a lot of background noise from the individual that is calling you? Typically, when you speak to somebody from the CRA or the IRS, you're not going to hear a, a call center type of environment behind them. And, and this goes for, for any type of scam. It doesn't just have to be for tax season with CRA and IRS. If you're hearing a lot of background noise, that is often a telltale sign. According to Stephen, the best way to prevent phishing attacks is to be critical and ask questions. This sounds simple enough, but detecting, preventing, and dealing with the consequences of phishing attacks can be incredibly difficult for the average person like Rekeft. I asked Reem Gedeon, the Senior Vice President of Global Customer Success and Partnerships at LifeWorks, to explain the impact of phishing attacks on our mental health. There's a huge toll and impact from a mental health perspective, let alone the financial aspects. And, and when you go back to looking at, you know, total well-being with a focus on the four pillars, they're all linked, mental, physical, social, and financial. And there's increased, you know, this whole process of whether it's clearing your name, credit history, going back to the workplace after folks potentially have known that, you know, you shared something that is of some sort of a breach. We do see that victims wrestle with, you know, that feeling of um, powerlessness and potentially vulnerability. We've seen occasions where people, you know, their whole sleep gets dis disrupted. There's an impact on the family. You want to think about it and you want to go to the full, more severe spectrum. Uh, depression, anxiety definitely weigh in in your ability to be productive at work as well as to support your family. You know, you feel that you've uh, done something wrong and you're trying to gather all the information and the tools so that you can uh, combat that. 
After his ishing attack, Rakef struggled and felt powerless. He went through the process of trying to get his money back with no success and was told to focus on protecting his accounts for the future. I asked Stephen to give us some context behind the risk factors of ishing. What should people worry about after they've been scammed? The risks can range from reputational risk, regulatory risk. The big thing here is monetary risk. And then just the the hardship and time it takes to have to go through to be reimbursed. Those are the primary risks there. Um, Money is not always the motivator for being targeted for this. So there are also risks of your information being taken and now you can you can be targeted again in the future. Your privacy and, and identity can be stolen. In the future, loans can be taken out in your name. Any way that your information could be used, there is potential risk of you being fallen victim to additional scams time and time again. Clearly, the risks of ishing attacks go far beyond the initial breach. This is not only true for individuals like Rakeft, but for organizations too. We asked Reem what large corporations can do from a wellness perspective to ensure employees are protected and empowered to report potential ishing scams. You know, honestly, for me, it's uh, learn and educate yourself. And as much as I hate saying that, because I am in the well-being, but being paranoid about anything that comes to you so that you can validate and check and ensure that it is right. And having those conversations at, at work, having those conversations at dinner tables, having those conversations with the neighbors so that we can all help each other and build a community that there's awareness and that we all know we got the support. So uh, I'm all about making sure that you validate this and, and confirm everything before you do. I think we, we all do a great job, and I'm hoping we all do a great job in uh, providing cybersecurity training for our employees. But I also think awareness on the mental health impact is also critical. After hearing Rakef's story, we were able to understand how ishing attacks work and three key prevention techniques that individuals and organizations can use. First, it's okay to be cautious. When receiving a phone call, email, or text from someone you don't know, be critical and ask questions. Listen for background noise or strange requests. If you feel even a little bit uncomfortable, don't offer up any sensitive information. Instead, hang up, ignore, and reach out to the source through their official contact information. Second, don't let fear steer the ship. Criminals will often try to scare you with threats of arrest, legal action, or financial loss. Remember, you are in control of your information and your finances. Before acting on feelings of fear, take a deep breath, do your due diligence, and check the legitimacy of the phone call or email. And third, educate yourself, your employees, and your family. Learn what ishing attacks look like and sound like 
so that you can detect them early. Stay on top of cybersecurity and new findings from official organizations like getcybersafe.gc.ca. And most of all, be attentive every time you go online or pick up the phone. It's not about being paranoid. It's about staying aware. I want to give a huge thank you to our guests, Rakeft, Stephen, and Reem for joining me today. And thank you for listening to C-Suite. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Claudette McGowan. Tune in for our next full episode on April 29th. And remember, with over 4 billion of us online, we have to do everything possible to keep ourselves connected and protected.